2: The Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn, so down on the corner the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey. All right, everybody.
0: Welcome on back to Baseball History 101. As always, I'm Patrick DeVault, and I'm joined by Matthew Carter. Hey, everybody. Um, on today's episode, we're going to discuss the Cy Young Award. Not necessarily as much the man Cy Young, but more on the award side of things. Um, and it's an award that's given annually to the best pitchers in baseball, one for the American League and one for the National League although it was originally just the best pitcher in baseball altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, it was introduced in 1956 by Commissioner Ford Frick in honor of the Hall of Fame pitcher Cy Young. And uh, I guess I'll let Matt tell you a little bit about Cy Young to start it off.
1: So as I'm sure some of our listeners know, Cy Young was a pitcher in the major leagues from 1891 to 1911. He played for the Cleveland Spiders, and, uh, he played for St. Louis but in the National League, but I don't think they were called the Cardinals when he played. Probably like the Brown Sockings or the Perfectos. uh, The Boston Pilgrims, then Red Sox, and, of course, the Cleveland Indians. Well, except, no, I'm sorry, they were called the Naps back then, the Cleveland Naps after Nap Lajoie, And they finished his career with the Boston – well, they weren't the Braves in 1911. They were like the Boston Rustlers or Boston Doves. Anyway, he played for, you know, altogether like 21 seasons. And he won 511 career games, which is the most all-time of any pitcher. One of the best pitchers ever. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1937. You know, part of the you know the first uh, part of the first four induction classes of the Hall of Fame. And this guy was great. And then you know he passed away in 1955. And so, you know, as a way to honor him, you force Rick to "Hey, let's come up with this award." you know, for the best pitcher in baseball for a year. So that's all we're going to talk about Cy Young. If, you know, in the future we could probably do an episode on him, but right now it's just – it's good to give some context to why this award's named for Cy Young. Because, you know, if you win 500 games in your career and nobody else has even come close, like, to even close to 500 – other than Walter Johnson at, like, 417. I mean, you're going to have some award named after you. You're going to be honored in some way.
0: And he still holds records for uh, games started, complete games, innings pitch, and consecutive hit list innings pitch at 25 and a third. So he was dominant.
1: Yeah. He was dominant in his era, and no, no question one of the most dominant, best pitchers Major League Baseball has ever seen, you know. So, and so, you know, that's, that's why it's named after him. And as Patrick stated from 1956 to 1966, the award was given to one pitcher in major league baseball. But then after Ford Frick retired, uh, the new commissioner, William Eckert, you know, he decided the Cy Young award would be given out to both the American league and national league. So instead of one pitcher every year, they give it to two pitchers, one from the American League, one from the National League, due to fan requests. So the fans were asking for it. They're like, hey, this is kind of stupid. Why don't we just do it to, for both leagues? And Eckert's like, yeah, okay, sure. That sounds good. And um, something interesting, from from the first three years, from 56 to 58, there was a rule that a pitcher was not allowed to win the award more on more than one occasion. And then after 58, they eliminated in 59. So... You know that's good because (laughs) we would not have you know all these other pitchers later on winning multiple Cy Youngs, you know. But I get why they did it early on because they didn't want to like they did. I think they felt felt like it wasn't fair if they were going to do it multiple times. For you get a pitcher winning multiple times, they had to pick somebody different if we're going to do it in one league. If it made one pitcher of out of all baseball, you had to like be a little different, you know. So, and then. So after a tie in the 1969 voting for the Cy Young Award, the process was changed in which each writer was to vote for three pitchers. The first place vote received five points. The second place vote received three points. And the third place vote received one point. And, you know, so that's where some of the rules early on. Now, the first person to win the Cy Young in 1956 was Don Newcomb of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he won. he had like a 27-7 record and, you know, just he was just dominant that year for Brooklyn as they won their won the National League pennant that year, you know. And of course they lost the Yankees in seven games, but still, you know, Dominican was a good pitcher, man. He he definitely earned it in 1956. I don't think anybody else. I don't think there was any. There probably wasn't much controversy at all, you know. I think he was probably the most dominant pitcher in that year. Mm-hmm. And then next year, Warren Spahn – He became, the now Newcomb was a right-hander. Warren Spahn the next year won it, and he was the first left-handed pitcher to win the award. And, of course, he was on the 57 Braves when they won the World Series. So, you know, that kind of helped, too. And then, you know, 63, Sandy Koufax became the first pitcher to win the award in a unanimous vote. And then two years later, in 65, he became the first uh, multiple two-time winner of the Cy Young Award. So he, he was the first pitcher to win it twice, you know, multiple times which, you know, Sandy Koufax was dominant in the 60s. That's well-deserved, mm-hmm. for sure, you know. And then, you know, some other things like Gaylord Perry. In 1978, uh, Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry became the oldest pitcher to receive the award. And he did that at age 40, and that was a record until 2004 when it was broken by Roger Clemens when he won it at 42. And the youngest recipient was uh, Dwight Gooden, a.k.a. Doc Gooden, when he won it in 1985 at the age of 20. Because he was just, you know, Duncan, before drugs got to him, he was just dominant in the 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. One of those guys, like, man, if you just laid off the drugs, you'd be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but yeah, that's another story for another time. And, you know, so what are you saying, right? Uh, what are you going to see Patrick?
0: Oh, I was just agreeing with you about him and uh, drugs, but that's something that happens to too many guys. Yeah. Elite, especially back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I like this fact also. In 74, Mike Marshall became the first reliever to win. And then in 92, Dennis Eckersley was the first modern closer to win. And since then, only one other relief pitcher has won the award, Eric Gagne, also a closer, um, which he was lights out. So, no, oh, yeah. So nine relief pitchers total have won the Cy Young across both leagues. Yeah. So it's
1: not just exclusive to starters. You know, you can be a reliever and still be dominant and still win the Cy Young. So, you know. If you're a reliever out there, you know, just work hard and be, you know, and one day maybe you can win a Cy Young Award. <laughs> um, and then eighty-two, Steve Carlton, fellow Hall of Famer, became the first pitcher to win more than three Cy Young awards. And um, and then ninety-four, Greg Maddox became the first pitcher to win at least three Cy Youngs in a row. And then the next year, ninety-five. When he helped the Braves win the World Series, he won a fourth Cy Young in a row. So he's done it like four times. And then Randy Johnson did it again. He won it four times in a row from 1999 to 2002. So, you know, we've – you know, you can win it multiple times if you're that good. And it's just – so many Hall of Famers have won it. I mean, obviously, we're talking about Spawn, Maddox, Carlton – Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, won in 62, Whitey Ford in 61. You know, Jim Palmer won it three times from 73 and 75, 76. Catfish Hunter won one on uh, Raleigh Fingers. I mean, just so many people. Bob Gibson, uh, Roy Halladay, Pedro, Tom Seaver, Bruce Suter, who was a reliever, uh, you know, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz. And I think I said Roy Holiday RA, but yeah, just you know, I mean, and of course Roger Clemens he won the most Cy Youngs in history with seven, but unfortunately he dabbled with the PEDs, and that's hurt his chances of getting in the Hall. Yep. So you know, and of course you know some other uh, notes, some you know like our fellow Alabamian Jake Peavy, he won the NL Cy Young in two thousand seven for the Padres with nineteen six record, two point five four ERA, two hundred forty strikeouts. You know and of course, Tim Lipscomb he won it twice. Good old The Freak, I think that's what he, did we call him The Freak. Is yeah. was his nickname? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a while, man. It's, I, it's been a while since I thought Tim Lipscomb, man. I just had to think for a second. And Clayton Kershaw, he's won it uh three times. Max Scherzer's won it three times. Jacob DeGrom's won it twice. You know, Blake Smells won it twice. Once in twice. we'll get t- once in both leagues, which and we'll get to we'll get to but uh, we'll get to Blake Snell later in the episode. But yeah, I mean just you know there's a lot of good notable names. Uh of course Trevor Bauer won it in the 2020 uh the COVID year, so for the NL Cy Young. Uh Shane Bieber won it in 2020 for the AL Cy Young, and Verlanders won it a bunch. Corey Kluber in uh 25th uh sorry, twenty fourteen, Dallas Keiko, twenty fifteen. You know, I'm just Johan Santana's won it twice. I mean, just all over the
0: mm-hmm.
1: just a lot of good notable names, you know. I mean, it's it never hurts, you know, in your career to have an award to win an award. And, you know, if you're a pitcher and you win a Cy Young, I mean, you know, that can get you some monograph signings somewhere, you know, like getting paid, like getting paid to go to some. To getting paid to, you know, sign autographs for people or right. get you to dinners and all that. I mean, you know, it's nice to have that. It's, nice, it's to, nice to
0: have an inscription below your signature.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you say your name, then, you know, Cy Young Award that year or what have you. Um, but altogether, like 22 pitchers have won the award multiple times. As I've said, Rogers number, Rogers number one was seven. Randy Johnson's second place was five. And then Steve Carlton, Greg Max have four. You know, Sandy Koufax, Seaver, Jim Palmer, Pedro, Clayton Kershaw, Scherzer, Verlander have three. And then like a whole bunch have two. Like Denny McClain, who was the last pitcher to pitcher to win uh 30 games in the season. He won it in nineteen sixty eight, which that was the year he won thirty game, thirty-one games. Bob yeah, Gibson. We won't,
0: we won't see somebody win thirty again. No. I mean that's or, probably, or more, or realistically, probably won't see somebody win 300 again.
1: Yeah, in this day of age, with so many, you know, pitchers not pitching as much, not pitching in in more innings as they used. to. Yeah, they to, just don't and, go
0: deep in games anymore.
1: No, and then so many no decisions. It's very rare to see. Uh, it's going to be going to be really tough to see anybody win 30 games if at all. I don't think it's going to happen. But you know course that would have been bad if that would have been dumb if he won 30 games and they didn't get the Cy Young I mean that would have been like what were you thinking you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and out of all the teams the Dodgers have the most Cy Young award winners with 12 of course you have like Koufax and uh, Kershaw and Don Drysdale and Don Newcomb and, and Mike Marshall and all these other people Fernando Valenzuela he won an 81 as we talked in the Valenzuela episode you know I mean when you have all those pitchers and you've had so much success over the years especially in your years in LA you know it's it it makes sense you know it, it it's easy to see why the Dodgers have so many good you know studs at pitcher for the signing award yep. and uh, yeah just now out of all the teams neither the Rockies nor the Rangers have had a Cy Young Award winner. So that's interesting. So, you know, but of course, you know, the Rockies, they've only been around for like 30 years. They were an expansion team. The Rangers were an expansion team-ish when they were the second incarnation of the Washington Cinders, and then moved to Texas in 72. But, you know, you had like Nolan Ryan. You've had all these pitchers. Now you got Scherzer on the team if he stays, you know.
0: I can't even think of anybody that's been really near Cy Young quality from Colorado.
1: I can't either. I mean, the only thing I could think would be somewhat close to Cy Young would be Ubaldo Menez. Yeah. We won 19 19 games that year, that one year. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, pitching Colorado is tough with the high altitude.
0: It's hard to think of anybody that's really Hall of Fame worthy, even. Yeah. Other than a couple guys that have played out there.
1: Yeah, it's just – I can't overthink really it. It's anybody. one of those places.
0: And it probably doesn't help that they're a, a late West Coast team and we don't – they come on at 9.30 our time, you know.
1: Right, you know. But who knows? Maybe one day they'll get a sign Young award winner if they can figure out the
0: altitude. I think that's <laughs> a big part of the problem.
1: Yeah. Maybe if they build an indoor ballpark, but I don't know. Even then, you know, that's – I wonder how much feet. of a
0: difference that would make. I don't know. I mean –
1: I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Of course, I've never been to Colorado, so I don't know how it's like out there. We talk about the high altitude, but I've never experienced it myself. So that'd be interesting. But of course, feels such a nice ballpark. Like, why
0: would you want to get rid of it? Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> you would think if it would benefit them, they would have already built an indoor stadium too.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and out of all the Cy Young Award winners. There have been 20 players who won it unanimously for a total of 27 wins. As you know, and most of these are like Hall of Famers. Like uh, we mentioned Koufax, Greg Maddox, Bob Gibson, Steve Carlton. Oral uh, Hersheiser won it in 88 unanimously. Our fellow Alabama JPV Peavy in 2007, he won that unanimously. And uh, last year, Sandy Alcantara. Well, I said Alcantara. I think I mispronounced his name when we talked about him in a previous episode. I thought I said Alcantara, but I didn't say Alcantara. So if anybody wa- sorry about that if I you know, mispronounce your name, Sandy. <laughs> and then, you know, just uh, – it's pretty good. I mean, so that's – so, I mean, that's what we could talk about with the history of the Cy Young and the previous winners. But I think I – mean, do you have anything else to add? Because I kind of want to talk about some of the controversies.
0: No, uh, we can get into those controversies. Yeah, so
1: as like any award, I'm sure like the MVP awards have this too. There, the Cy Young Award, there's always controversy about why certain players get selected for the Cy Young in, in the years and some people don't. And, you know, we can go on and on and on, and I'm sure there's, there's plenty of examples of this, but let's start off with a uh, article that I found on the Bleacher Report. Now, mind you, this came out in 2011, so it's a little dated. But this is titled MLB Six Biggest Snubs in Cy Young Voting History by Solomon Ryan, which came out in 2011. Um, and so, I'll briefly go through this. His six snubs were, so in 2010, Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young Award for in the AL, But he thought that uh, Solomon thought that either David Price or CeCe Zabafia should have won it. And his reasoning was, you know, yeah. you know, Hernandez was tied for the fewest wins ever by a sign on Canada at the time, which was 13. He went 13-12 in 2010. And the Mariners didn't make the playoffs that year. Now, he thought that either David Price or CeCe Zabafia should have won it. Because they both played, well, they said they both played in the AL East, which is the toughest division in baseball, and had playoff-contending teams.
0: Yeah, and Price went 19 and six. Yeah, Sabathia went 21 and seven. So, you know, I mean,
1: now to his credit, he uh, he mentions that Hernandez did have more strikeouts and in innings pitched, but winning should be a factor, which I am always in agreement with. That if you have 20 wins, you should be you should be considered. But again, we're, we're going to get into that later in the episode. We'd really if have
0: it, to get into what kind of run support he was getting and things like that also. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're playing
1: on the Mariners and at that time, uh, you know, the Mariners, like I said, they didn't make the playoffs. They weren't that great. Felix was like one of those, especially near, this is near the end of the intro's first term with the Mariners too, before I think it was before he went to the Yankees, but you know, you know, Felix is playing on a team. You're not having a lot of star power. This isn't the 2001 Mariners, right? You know, Claire, Felix is doing the best he can, but man, it's just so hard to be, you know, that great and have a good record than 13 and 12 when you're playing on a team that you know not is not going to make the playoffs, and you're not having that star power. And throws getting older. You know, I mean, just you know, it's it's tough. <laughs> And so that was number six. Number five, uh, for number five, he says in nineteen eighty one for the National League Cy Young Award, Tom Seaver. He felt like Tom Seaver got snubbed. Now it's he says Fernando Valenzuela narrowly edged out Tom Seaver by two percentage points to win the NL Cy Young. Now, as we talked about in the Valenzuela episode, Valenzuela won the Cy Young, and. You know, he also had 13 wins, but again, as we talked about, 81 was a strike year. They had a strike in the middle of the season. Nobody was getting 20 wins that season. If you were lucky, Seaver had a now Seaver had a 14 and two record to uh Valenzuela's 13 and seven. But again, 81 was Fernando Mania. You know, I think as Patrick and I have discussed, you know darn well, Fernando Mania was like the main reason. <laughs> it was just you know, that pushed him over the edge, you
0: know? Yeah. Having your name in the media a bunch kind of probably sways some voters that might be a little bit less educated on the actual credentials of what you put in, just because they see your name a lot. They'll equate that to good things happening.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he was a spark plug for the Dodgers that year. They won the world series, you know, and, and it's just, yeah, you know, like I said, if if you guys haven't heard our Fernando uh, Valenzuela episode, go check it out. You know, after you get done listening to this one, it, it's I recommend that too. It's that would have given
0: show. that would have given Tom Seaver a um, Cy Young award in three different decades, also.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get. I, I I would say that he's got. I mean, these are both good points of you know Sabathia and and um, uh, Price and Tom Seaver. I can see how he got snubbed, but you know. Like I said, Fernando Mania, it's hard to beat, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the year of Fernando.
0: Like we talked about on his episode, man. He was the dude there for a minute. Yeah, he was.
1: And then number four um, for the AL Cyan Award, Nolan Ryan in 1973. And it says, although Jim Jim Palmer won in 73, although Jim Palmer pitched very well, Ryan was snubbed. Palmer's wins above replacement was 6.1 compared to Ryan's 7.9. Ryan also threw considerably more innings and had 225 more strikeouts than Palmer. Yeah, that was, as we talked in the Ryan episode, he had 383 strikeouts that year. He set the record for most strikeouts in the season. But, you know, I do have a, he's mentioning wins above replacement, but like in 1973, nobody was, I don't think wins above replacement was a thing in 73.
0: No. No. Let's see when ways of replacement was created.
1: Yes, yeah, because it it's just I I I get where he's going with this, but at the same time it's like if you're going to put newer um ways to great statistics and a great a greater player's um greatness to that's sorry, that's like a newer uh way to do that to like a in the past, I just don't it's like you can't do that that's that's that, that's not what happened in 1973 they don't i don't think they had war back then you know i just don't really agree with that that's what i'm trying to say
0: 2000 early 2000s it looks like when they really started using it
2: okay yeah i, but can't, really,
0: I can't find when it was developed but
1: yeah but like like i said 73 nobody was talking about it. now As I mentioned, I'm thinking of the Nolan Ryan episode. There's a video on YouTube, and I wish I could remember who did. I think it was Baseball Historian, talking about three years that Nolan Ryan should have won a Cy Young, but he didn't, and 73 was one of them. And they were comparing him to, obviously, Jim Palmer, who won it, and also Bert Blylevin, who pitched for the Twins. All three of them had fantastic years, but the fact that You know, obviously, Palmer had more wins than Ryan in 73, as well as he was on a playoff team with the Orioles in 73 than Ryan was with the Angels when they weren't in the playoffs that year. That would also kind of help, too, because, you know, honestly, for anything, if you make a playoff, most people, if you're in a contention for an award and if your team makes the playoffs, voters do take that into consideration, you know, to an extent. Some people do.
0: I feel like you should to a certain point because that means yeah. you that means you're you're helping your team win, you know, and at the end of the day, yeah. everybody's playing for a ring, and that's the most important thing, yeah, it's the most important
1: thing, absolutely. So you know, I can see I mean, I can see why, but like again, if you're gonna use war for something that happened before war was ever thought of, I just, you know, (laughs) I I wouldn't go that far. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. And and so number, number four, I'm sorry, number three in this list was Chicago White Sox pitcher Wilbur Wood in 1972. Now, Gaylord for the American League Cy Young, Gaylord Perry won it in 72. Uh, he basically says this, this one could have gone to either Ward or Gaylord Perry, but the voters decided to give Perry the award with 53% compared to 40%. Uh Wood had more shutouts. He had eight shutouts to Perry's five. And he pitched in 35 more innings than Perry. However, Perry had a lower ERA and more strikeouts. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can see why more strikeouts, you know, lower ERA, uh, you know, and, Chicago did well in seventy-two, but I don't they didn't make the playoffs, you know. And I don't know what what, what team did Gary Perry play for? It wasn't the Rangers. Oh shoot, I remember.
0: Let's see.
1: Oh Cleveland, he was the Cleveland Indians then. I think it was a Cleveland seventy-two. Uh
0: he was 72 to 75.
1: Yeah, so you know, okay. I can see I can see his case for uh, – Solomon's case for Wilbur Wood, you know, getting snubbed, but it's like, you know, a perry low ERA, more strikeouts. I mean, that's hard to be.
0: And that would have been Wilbur Wood's uh, only Sly Young Award win, and he that would have made him the first knuckleballer instead of Ari Dickey.
1: Yeah. So that would, wouldn't that have been something if that happened? And then number two, which I'll talk a little more about after we finish this list. The 2005 AL Cy Young Award race, uh, he Solomon felt that both either Mariano Rivera or Johan Santana got snubbed, and, you know, Bartolo Colon won it that year, 2005, and he says, Bartolo Colon had some stiff competition in 2005. He may have led the league in wins, but other factors should have been considered. Santana had a lower ERA, a higher wins of a replacement, more complete games, more shutouts, and more strikeouts. Excuse me. While Rivera had a ridiculous 1.38 ERA with 43 saves and seven wins, you know, again, that's and as we'll discuss, you know, after this, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> Johan Santana won it in 2000, won in 2004 and 2006. If he did win it in 2005, it would have been three in a row. And so to be kind of stubborn, it's like, well it's disappointing that you didn't win it, but you already won one and then you won it again next year, the next season. So it's like, okay, but all three of them have, them, uh, Cologne, Santana and Rivera all had great. Um, they all had great statistics that year. And it was just, you know, honestly, I could it could have been a toss up. Honestly, I felt like it may have been a toss up between the three of them.
0: And fun fact, um, Mariano no Cy Young awards, but he is five-time Rolex Relief Man of the Year and three-time DHL Delivery Man of the Year. So that yeah. goes back to relief pitchers not always getting the shine they deserve. Yeah,
1: I mean he's the all-time career leader in saves, and he doesn't have Cy
0: Young. But, yeah, I figured, you know. I figured he would have one, but yeah, you figured what? I'm sorry. I figured he'd probably have one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just but you know what? It's okay because he is the first person to unanimously be elected to the
0: Baseball Hall of Fame. So, you know, hey, I don't think he's worried about not having a Cy Young Award.
1: Yeah, I don't think it concerns him at all. And so, the number one snub, according to Solomon, um, this for the National League Cy Young. No, no, it's for the. This is 1960, so there was it was just for one one pitcher that whole year. He felt that the pitcher named Ernie Broglio or Broglio, B R O G L I O, maybe it's Broglio. If anybody has a better correction, you can email us like that one guy did. <laughs> but um, he said, uh, Solomon says, Do I understand how Broglio only received 1% of the vote compared to the winner of Vern Law with 50%? And his answer was no. Broglio finished third, when in reality he should have finished first. Broglio had more wins than Law, the same strikeout—I'm sorry—the same amount of losses as Law, and a lower ERA, which uh, Broglio had 2.74 to uh, Vern Law's 3.08, and a better wins above placement and more strikeouts than than Law. And he said he says finishes with the the only reason why Law won the Cy Young was more innings pitched and complete games. And Law was on the Pittsburgh Pirates who won the World Series that year. So, you know, I mean.
0: <laughs> that brings us back to what we were talking about a minute ago. Ernie Ernie led the National League in wins. Yeah. So are we valuing it on wins or the other tangible stats? Yeah, it's just, uh, you know. I'm personally a wins guy. I,
1: me too. Wins have to be a factor. It's not a stupid, statistic like some people like to claim it is today, these days, but it's a good – it shows that,
0: you know, hey You left your team reason- in a situation to win ballgames, man. Like Yeah, you willed them to
1: win, you know. So so that was um like I said, it's a little dated, but this was Solomon Ryan's uh six biggest snubs in world signing and voting history. Now, if he did the list today, he probably would add some people on the list. But you know, I feel like this is a good little list, you know. Even though it's like uh twelve years old, but still it's pretty good. You know, now going back to Johan Santana in his 2005 season, uh, the Athletic in 2020 they wrote an article uh, by Dan Hayes called Johan Santana's Hall of Fame What If the Controversial 2005 Cy Young Award. Now, if you're if you have a subscription to Athletic, you can read it as I'm reading it, and um, basically it's about you know, obviously, it's about how he finished third overall in the Cy Young and how if – because, you know, and personally, he's basically saying, you know, what if uh, – basically saying that, you know, not winning that third Cy Young in a row may have hurt his chances for the Hall of Fame. And so, you know, um, like, for example, in 2018 – um, I think it was Johan's first year on the ballot. He fell off the ballot after one year when he received only 2.4% of the vote. I mean, <laughs> but that but that ballot was stacked because you also had like Chipper Jones in there and you had uh Trevor Hoffman and all these other people. So it's like you're competing against those guys to get votes, and it's kind of tough, you know. It's it's tough to get votes. So now, now the next time he would ever be considered would be, like, one of the Veterans Committees. But then the article's like, well, what if he won three straight? What if he actually won the, the uh, Cy Young Award in 2005 to win three straight? You know, would that have helped um, his chances? And near the end of the article, uh, Dan Hayes interviewed some of the voters, like, some of the writers who voted during, that, the, during the Cy Young and uh, ad- voted for the sign during that year, 2005. And so th- you know, he asked some of the writers, hey, you know, if he won three, would they would make the, uh, would Johan Santana, you know, wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? Would he be considered for the Hall of Fame? And, um, you know, a bunch of people like Andrew Baggerly of the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco Giants beat writer said, I do think the Hall of Fame voters give a special sign to unprecedented accomplishments. There are plenty of instances where, in which peak dominance was so overwhelming that voters have been willing to overlook some shortcomings in longevity. Sidney Koufax is the best example of this, and to a lesser extent, Pedro Martinez. But even if Santana took home the hardware over Cologne, I'm not sure that it would add add significantly to his peak dominance enough to overcome the longevity issues that drag down his candidacy. For me, things like awards and all-star appearances matter to some extent because they demonstrate the kind of regard in which a player was held by his contemporaries. But awards aren't the most objective measure, as the example of Cologne Illustrates. So I guess my answer is this. Regardless, I would have left Santana off my ballot. (laughs) And then you got Jason Stark, you know, my fellow Syracuse man and, you know, senior ML rewriter. He's like, Johan should have won the Cy Young Award that year. I wrote multiple columns about it at the time, in fact. I felt guilty enough leaving Johan off my Hall of Fame ballot that year even as a two-time winner, but I suspect that even with three Cy Youngs in a row, it still wouldn't have been enough to get him elected. Johan was peak well, Johan's peak was spectacular. That doesn't change with or without that third award. And I'm a big believer in players with historic peaks. What hurts him is that there just isn't quite enough of a body of work around that peak to get him into the same Cooperstown neighborhood as the other three Cy Young award winners. Or the other three-time Cy Young award winners. Uh, he had... He'd, he'd have to be elected as a 21st century Koufax, and that's a lot to ask. I do think with the, with that third Cy Young, he would have been more likely to at least get a more extended look on the ballot. And you never know what can happen if any player gets 10 years instead of one. He's one of our worst ever one and dones. So, you know, you get a mixed bag. You know, some mm-hmm. people think he, he could get in. Some people didn't think he could get in if he won it. I mean it's it's kind of interesting. I I feel like it's it's a really interesting article. It's just nice perspective and and of course all of his teammates on the 2005 Twins like just uh, uh Joe Mauer and Tory Hunter they're all like hey you should have won. You know,
0: and I do not personally, win, you know. I don't personally think that one extra Cy Young award is going to sway me on a would would have swayed me as far as a Hall of Fame voter it was just a tough ballot. You know? Yeah.
1: It's just, it was just a tough battle that year, you know. You, you're going up against Chipper Jones, Jim Tome, uh, you know, and just other guys it, it, of like Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, you know, the guys that got elected for 2018. That's tough to do, man. I mean, you. It was tough to do. It is and you know, and I think Santana said something about. Oh, here we go. Santana says something about – we had to add this. I'm trying to find it. Sorry, Patrick. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Here it is. Um, For his part, Santana isn't bitter. The fact remains that he still has plenty of hardware on on his shelf, meaning the 2004 and 2006 signing awards that he won. But for as much as Santana has been asked about the topic, he isn't quite sure what writers were looking for when they voted. And he says – Santana says – the only thing I question is the criteria you have to vote on. If you tell everybody from the beginning, whoever wins the most games will win, whoever gets to the finish line first wins, the question always was, what do you have to do? Is it the most wins? Is it the most dominant? Is it the most popular? What's the whole thing? But let me tell you something, This and this is the reality of the whole thing. I'm not the Cy Young winner for 2 in 2005 and I wasn't even in second place. The reality is I was third place. Bartolo is the Cy Young of that year and we'll just leave it at that. But you know, I feel like you know, Santana asked some legitimate questions. What are, what is the criteria? You know, and I feel like it, we all can ask that, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems it's very open to interpretation uh by each individual voter. Very opinion based. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. And if, you know, if you're one of those guys, if you're one of those players who don't have a great relationship with the media... Oh, yeah, media I'm not voting for like, this no. guy
0: because he didn't give me media availability one day. Like,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's petty. <laughs> That's one word for It's just petty, you know?
0: <laughs> well, and a lot of sports writers are petty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a true state. It is so true.
1: But, uh, you know, but still, Johan Santana... You know, it's not like he never won a Cy Young ever. He still got two. You know, he threw a no-hitter for the Mets. He was the first Mets pitcher to throw a no-hitter back in, I think it was 2012 maybe. You know, and just like he's had an established career in the major leagues. You know, he's in the Minnesota game, so that's a plus. You know, <laughs> and so it's like, hey, you know, you've you've done very well. You've had an established career. I most certainly remember you. I know you remember him, Patrick. I mean, he's one of those guys just, he was a great player and you know, Hey, you got nothing to hang your head on, man. You know, you've had a great career. That's, that's more than some, some players can say, you know, <laughs> but um, you know, but I would recommend if you guys have the F if of our listeners have the athletic uh, subscription, you can read that article. I think it's pretty good. And you know, and if you have any thoughts on it, you can always uh, email us and say, "Hey, you know, it was a good article," or "Hey, I didn't like it, I disagreed, and what have you." But it's pretty cool, you know. I just I felt that I felt they added to the conversation with the Cy Young um, Award and just controversies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and so, honestly, I think uh, I'm just ready to talk about this. This year's the National signed Award race. What about you, Patrick? Do you have anything else that like, you think you want to talk about?
0: Like, no, I subjects? think. Uh, were pretty good there. Let me. I know this year's. That first article was a little dated. Otherwise, otherwise this year's would definitely be on there, mm-hmm. especially the National League side of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just, <laughs> it, oh boy, it's it's something else. So now. As we did, as Petra and I discussed at the end of the shot heard around the world episode last year, we talked about our fellow Huntsvillian and now former Atlanta Braves pitcher, Kyle Wright.
0: Girl, I can't believe they were able to trade him.
1: <laughs> yeah, they trade. Yeah, wow. You know, and we talked about how he won 21 games, led both leagues in wins, and he wasn't a finalist for the Cy Young. And he finished like in 10th place in the voting. If you thought I was mad about that last year, you haven't seen anything about how mad I was this year about Spencer Strider, the Atlanta Braves pitcher, not being the finalist for the Cy Young. Because naively, at the end of the season, I was like, okay, Strider's got 20 wins. He's leading both leagues in wins. He's got 281 strikeouts. He's leading both leagues in strikeouts. He has a great winning percentage. He won 21s and five losses. You know, he's leading both leagues in that. Surely, surely the Baseball Writers Association of America are not going to mess it up this year. Surely this is not going to happen again like it did last year. And then on November 6th of this year, two days before my birthday, they announced the uh, the the uh, finalists for the Ashley Cy Young Award. And I did not see Spencer Strider on there. And I said, what are you doing? I said, oh my God. I, I texted Patrick that day. I said the bastards did it again. They did it again. I was, I was so naive, Patrick. I was I was so sure they weren't gonna mess it up this year. And boy, I shouldn't, I should have known better. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so and of course if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I, I went on a rant on this on my Instagram stories and I probably and I cussed and I should have said I probably shouldn't have said some of the things I said, but you guys had to understand how mad I was. <laughs> because that really ticked me off that day. And, I, and once again, I ask, like I did last year, I said, what have the BBWA been smoking? What are they smoking? What are they smoking?
0: And part of this is also that we are uh, probably a little bit of homers towards Atlanta players. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, our, that's our local market team. Yeah, Being in Alabama, that's what we get to watch. But I definitely feel like it was unjust. Um, and that's where it goes back to how are you determining who wins this? Cause if you're basing it off of, you know, like ERA, it's Snell. Are we basing it off of pure dominance? Strider struck out 37.6% of the hitters he faced or something like that. And there was nobody even close to that. No, so it's, like, it, it really, you know, it depends how you're, what, what metrics are important to you?
1: Yeah. And it- and it's also and that's you know individually from different writers their criteria is gonna be different. It's not uniform it's all just vote how you feel what, what do you believe in that you think is more important than the other you know it's just like and this is why we have these controversies right the same thing with like kind of like Hall of Fame voting or at least in the Veterans committee you know like how do you vote for somebody what like, what is your criteria what you know what do you think is more important to get this guy in the Hall of Fame? I mean, it just happens, like even like, and probably in other sports too. You know, and how voting happens in other sports. It's just going to be different from one writer to the next. You know, I'm looking it's at just, an article. It's...
0: I'm looking at an article on MLB.com right now that's called "10 Ways to View a Complicated NL Cy Young Race," and it's from uh, September of this year by a guy named Mike Petrillo on um, or Petrillo mm-hmm. on MLB.com, and it's like, do you care about not allowing earned runs? is one way to look at it. And then his second way is, do you care about not allowing runs in general? And then it's, what about innings? And then what about just dominance? Like I was talking, Strider struck out almost 38% of the hitters he faced. Do you care about your Cy Young winner not being last in the majors in something? Because um, the highest walk rates among qualified starters, Snell walked 13.4. Percent of the batters he faced. Or then it's like, do you just care about the things we as a pitcher can, do you just care about the things we think a pitcher can exert control over, like fielding independent pitching stats, um, stats casts, XERA, and um, deserved runs allowed, which if you're going off of those, Strider wins all three of those categories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then um, the more advanced metrics to try and put them all together, like wins above replacement, um, which Snell won that on the, but the fan graphs, fan graphs, war is different than normal war. So it's it, so many different ways to look at this stuff. And then um, question number eight on here is what have voters actually valued? You know, and it's just, it's just not uniform. No, it's not. And
1: it's just, and it's, and it, 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 it will never change. So it's just how it's going to be and that's you know fine to an extent but at the same time it's like something should be uniform that all the writers can agree on and then you can vote for whatever but it's like this, this is just crazy like what we'll talk about the finalists we're going to talk about the three finalists now they're all from NL West teams which I thought that was interesting but uh you know but then you think well is there a West Coast bias or did the West Coast writers convince the East Coast writers to stay up late and watch their guys pitch and then, you know, vote that way. I mean, it's probably no conspiracy, but it's just fun to think about. It's like, yeah, what if there was a conspiracy? What if the West Coast riders, you know, convinced the East Coast riders to, you know, collude and get all the West Coast guys in the, the, you know, West race, you know, I mean, (laughs) I don't think that's what happened, but it just, it'd be silly if it, it it's just a silly scenario if it did happen, you know, but um, you got Blake Snell who won the award. You got of the uh, San Diego Padres. You have, um, oh, who's this? Oh, you have Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And you have Logan Webb of the San Francisco Giants. Those were the three finalists. And then when the award, and then the next week, when they announced who won, Blake Snell won it. As you know, and honestly, if we're talking about just those three pitchers, I felt that, like, I felt that. Snell was the best one out of the three in that sense, but again, the fact that, you know, and then we look at the final voting for this year for the NL Sion, right? Snell gets it with uh, 28 first place votes and two second place votes, so all together 204 points. Logan Webb gets one first place vote. Zach Gallen gets one first place vote. Uh, Logan Webb got like 80. six points. Uh, Gallon got 68. Spencer Strider, now he did better than Kyle Wright last year. He got fourth, but he got six second-place votes, nine third-place votes, five fourth-place votes, and three fifth-place votes for a total of 64 points. And this is where I'm like, I I really, 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 really do not agree with this. Because if you look at Logan Whips, now I'm not going to knock Blake Snell. I'm not going to do it.
0: He's a fine so, pitcher.
1: He's a fine pitcher. He's one won word for the Tampa Bay Rays in 2018. I just think he was and, in second place. Yeah, I just think he was <laughs> in second place. But explain to me how Logan Webb of the San Francisco Giants, a pitcher with a record of 11 wins and 13 losses, is in second place while Spencer Strider is in fourth place with a better record of 20 wins and
0: five losses. It just doesn't compute for me
1: no and i'm like make it make sense and it's just and then like i go on social media which you should never do because you're gonna you're gonna find clowns in like in comment sections and whatnot but i did it anyway i think the week of the week of uh the when the finals were announced as well as the week of when the award was announced um and people were like man you know Spencer, you know, it's a like, man. His year his was getting close to four.
0: You know, it was pretty, it's pretty up there. I'm thinking. Yeah, well, he, he finished the year at 325.
1: Yeah. It's like, dude, you know, okay. But again, but I'm looking a at,
0: record. um, I'm looking at like his whip. It was 1.1. 1. 1, so every inning, you're just letting one guy, one, let more than more than a guy on base an inning, you know? Yeah. And Walk, you're and, walking two guys from nine and giving up just shy of a homer every nine.
1: Um, yeah. And um, it's just, <laughs> and then, and then I saw somewhere where somebody made a comment. It's like, well, you know, Strider just wasn't really consistent, you know, near the, near the, uh, near the end of the season. And I'm like, explain to me how a record of 20 wins and five losses is inconsistent. Yet a record of 11 wins and 13 losses is consistent. And I talked about this. And it was just, you go ahead, Patrick, what were you
0: saying. There's a stat on here also I'm looking at on web. It's called reliability. And he's at 80% reliability. And I haven't compared that to anybody else's to know if that's good, bad, and different. I just thought that was an interesting stat.
1: Yeah. Now you compare uh there's a there's an article on Fan Nation, I guess the Braves version of Fan Nation called Braves Today. And by a guy named Lindsey Crosby, which it's a guy, it's, even though it's, you know, it's kind of like Lindsey Nelson, the former broadcaster. It's a guy's name. Uh, and the girl says, why Spencer Strider wasn't a Cy Young finalist. And he's basically like, you know, yeah, he did great. But um, basically, it comes down to luck. He says, as always, luck plays a huge role in baseball. In this case, Strider's was bad and Snell's was good. Blake Snell's ERA led all of baseball with it at 2.25, despite having a FIP, which is Fielding Independent Pitching of 3.44, a difference of a a difference of over a full run. And when you dig into Snell's balls that were put into play, a statistic that's called BAPIP, B A P I P, batting average on balls in play, you see that his BAPIP was only 2 uh, 256, while the MLB average was 297. Well, let's see. And you can guess where I'm going with Strider, right? That's what he says. Strider's ERA yeah, was 3.86, but he had a nationally best FIP at 2.85, a difference of just over a full run. However, his BAPIP was 3.16, or, three, yeah, 0.316, excuse me, uh, nearly 20 points higher than the at- league average of two, for 2023. So the things that he controlled went his way, but the of balls that were left to the defense did not go his way.
2: Mm-hmm. Luck
1: runs both ways, and for Strider – and for the record, Strider happened to get some of the best run support in all baseball
0: because, you know – That is true.
1: Yeah, with the Braves only twice failing him to – failing to give him three or more runs support.
0: You blink so, your eyes and the Braves bat around, so. Yeah,
1: I mean, especially Matt Olson with, like, 50-plus home runs this year. You know, I mean, just – lights out, that there were there was lots of offense this year, and it just didn't carry them too far in the playoffs, unfortunately. (laughs) But um, but so basically, they're just using at least in this, in Lindsey Crosby's point of view, more defined statistics doom Spencer Strider. But again, it's like, you know, even if his defense wasn't that great, like if his bat dip wasn't that great, he still won twenty games. He still struck out two hundred eighty-one dudes, maybe, and the, you know. And my first thing was, was like, okay, well, maybe he didn't strike out enough guys. Maybe if he got to three hundred strikeouts, he'd be in consideration. But again, it's like, what I are the he was striking out
0: thirteen and a half per nine.
1: Yeah, like what, like again, why is he being? I mean, you're you're overlooking his. You're, you're you don't think he's good because his BAPIP is three point one six and his ERA is three point eight six. Let's be honest, like, that's a on. made up stat. It's a made-up stat, and like <laughs> in Logan Webb, the only thing that he's led, the only thing that Logan Webb led, led, led at least in normal statistics, was innings. He pitched two hundred sixteen innings, and I'm like, that should be in consideration. Depends who you ask.
0: Depends who you ask. It's
1: it's like, and then, and then they're like, oh well, uh, and then like, oh Logan Webb only walked thirty-one batters, and I'm like, again. this, uh I mean, it's it just, it's so, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. And then like, um well, apparently I should have listened to Vegas because in September, the same guy, Lindsay Crosby, uh, published another article on Barry's day called "Spitzer Strider's unlikely to win the nationally Young award because Vegas, now this is in September, September 25th, Vegas had Spencer Strider finishing third place with Blake Snell winning it, and then uh, Chicago Cubs pitcher, uh, who's who's the big who's the pitcher? Oh, uh, oh yeah, Justin Steele. Yeah, they had they had Vegas and on September twenty fifth. Vegas had Snell winning the Cy Young, nationally with Justin Steele for the Cubs in second place, and Strider in third. Well, you get to November, and neither Steele nor Strider or. Finalists? No, still only so, got 32 points. Right. He finished in uh, fifth place behind Strider.
0: He got one second-place vote, two third-place votes, eight fourth-place votes, and six fifth-place votes.
1: Yeah, and I'm just like... Eh. And then the last thing I'm going to say about this is that a guy... uh, Forbes magazine, a guy in Forbes magazine called Tony Blangino published an article... Like, you know, right after the, the Cy Young um, finalists were announced, and this is on November 14th. So it was like right before they made the winners, uh, they announced the winners. The announcing winners and he says the articles, the uh, headline, MLB Cy Young Award Voters Did a Historically Bad Job This Year. And basically, his criteria, it's kind of weird, his criteria for picking. Um, a Cy Young winner, like his version of like a voting is called a statistic that I guess, I don't know if he made up or somebody else made up called total pitch runs above average T P R A A. And he says, this is the metric I use to determine pitcher value. First, I determine the level of production a pitcher should have allowed on all balls in play based on their exit speed slash launch angle and determine each pitcher's adjusted contract contact store. And he, he clarifies 100 hundred ACS is league average. The lower the number, the better. Which I guess that you know. And then I add back the strikeouts and walks to determine each pitcher's true ERA, which is his, my proxy for ERA minus slash FIP minus. And he says, lastly, I spread that quali- qualitative score across the pitcher's, nine, uh, pitcher's innings bulk. To obtain his TPRAA, so this guy's. What are we doing
0: here, bro? I know, right? I'm like, (laughs)
1: like (laughs) Like when I read it, I was like, "Who else does this?" You know, I mean. (laughs) And so, okay, Um, and so he talks about both leagues, and you know, I'm just gonna go for. I, I, don't, I have no uh, disagreement with the American League. I think Garrett Cole was the best choice. What, what do you think, Patrick? You, would you agree with that? or do you? Yeah, you I, don't have any, I don't have any
0: qualms with uh, the American League. He was dominant.
1: Yeah, so for American League fans, we got no problems with Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young this year. N- none. Other so than him not, being a Yankee. Right, so I'm not even going to bother um, – Blengino's critique of each of the AL candidates. We're going to go strictly to the National League and talk about what he thinks, what he thinks that, <laughs> what he thinks that the voters really messed up this year for the signing of voting. He says, well, we're going to start with Zach Gallon." He says, then there's the NL. And he says on Zach Gallon, on what planet is Zach Gallen a side finalist? He got off to a great start, but even then he was allowing loud contact that was ending up in fielder's gloves more often than it should have. Down the stretch, he simply wasn't very good. Voters simply got caught up in his hot start and his wins, which he won 17 games this year, and innings, which were 210, which I think that was second to uh, Webb. And he said his 121 adjusted contact score was the worst among NLERA qualifiers, worse than Patrick Corbin. Worse than all of the American League ERA qualifiers, which included Lance Land and Lucas Giolito, uh, who both allowed over 40 home runs that season. See, and we're, doing,
0: now, we're doing too much here. If we're judging guys based on how hard balls got hit that were caught, right? We're doing too much.
1: We're doing too much. I mean, just you know, it's like just be glad that they got it's an you out. It's, it's an out. It's an out.
0: Like it's, so, it's I, a weak I'm ground. So, it's a weak ground ball in the scorebook, man.
1: Nobody can be Nolan Ryan and, and just strike out you know three hundred plus batters consistently on a consistent basis. Strider can get he's, close. Strider can get close. He got <laughs> Hell, he may get to if he if he's healthy and he right. He, he could get to three hundred next year. I mean, the, the, the possibilities are endless. But it's like, I mean, like I get. I mean, I agree with him that they messed that they didn't get the the finalists right. But at the same time, like your statistics, I'm just like I'm not following them. Like. He says, now, I love Gallon and think that he has a very bright present and future and have for a long time, but he should not be a sci-fi finalist. And then he goes to Snell, and he's like, then there's Snell, the heavy favorite to win the award, which by the time this was published, it was November 14th, so it was before they they announced the, I think it was right before they announced the winner. So this was published before then. And he says, like fellow favorite Cole, uh, Snell was extremely fortunate across all batted ball types, and his 94 adjusted contact <laughs> score is way worse than his actual unadjusted 70 mark. I didn't even mean, you know that unadjusted contact score was a thing, too. I mean, this is, we're learning new things today, Patrick. I mean, you know, <laughs> things that we may not have needed to know, but here we are, you know.
0: <laughs> we're going to have to work on developing our own stat because it yeah. appears as though anybody can make up a stat these days.
1: Yeah, let's we'll, we'll figure out our own stat, you know. Well, BBH uh,
0: 101 plus is what we we'll call it.
1: Okay, I love it, man. <laughs> we should make that into T-shirts and stuff, man. <laughs> uh, Jesus but anyway, Christ. He goes on with Snell. and he says his innings bulk, which was 180, is lower than any pitcher we'll discuss today. But despite that, he led all of baseball with 99 walks. Yeah, he led the National League in walks. So that was – If we were going to ding snow on anything, it would be his walks. But, again, I mean, other than that – He was good enough to
0: pitch out of it, man.
1: Yeah, he was good enough to pitch out of it. You know, and the Padres weren't that great this year either, you know.
0: I'm going to judge you harder on walks, slam on hard hit, line drives at your shortstop. Exactly. If
1: your shortstop makes the out, then who cares?
0: I'm going to judge you harder on the walks, for sure. You're getting out –
1: yeah, you're getting out of the inning. And, like, if it's – you know – and it's quicker to get outs that way, too, than striking guys out. Keep that pitch count down. Right. That's what, you, that's what everybody that's wants. it's effective to. pitching. Yeah. You're doing a good job. Why are you getting uh, uh, disqualified by that or, you know,
0: like getting dinged by that? You know, it's, stu- it's stupid. See, those hard-hit balls start balls start leaving the ballpark. We're having a different conversation here. Right. And then he continues with Snell. These are not points that
1: can simply be glossed over. He should not be a finalist, let alone the award winner. And then he gets to Logan Webb. And he says, Webb is an interesting case. Lots of inning bulk. As we discussed, he led the National League in innings pitched with 216. Apparently, he led all baseball with 216 innings pitched. He's also the preeminent grounder generator among MLB starters with a 0.4 degree average launch angle this season. That said, Webb allows loud contact across all batted ball types. His 90.3 miles per hour overall average exit velocity allowed was better than only Gallon's 91.4 mph among NLERA qualifiers. And they said, I will give voters credit for overlooking his 11 and 13 record. Stop it. <laughs> No one should look that over. That it kinda
0: it kinda tracked okay. a little bit until that last line.
1: Yeah. And I was like, like
0: like the guy's not getting banged around the park. Maybe a check in his favor. Which I know yeah. counteracts what we're saying about the guy getting hit hard, but that's not a detractor for me. But no, I want a guy it's pitching not. for me that's not gonna get hard. Yeah. Now so that's this not l- that's not gonna be a major factor, but I'll, it's a mental note. This guy doesn't get hit hard. He gets no, a lot of ground just, balls. Ground balls generate double plays. Yeah, he's so getting out of innings. And it's lower, lower pitch count, you know? Lowering the pitch count's a good thing these days. I know <laughs> I kind of contradicted myself a little bit there. I'm judging somebody for getting hit hard. But if it's an out, it's an out. Yeah, it's an out. The outs don't change. The big, factor, do... big factor in his favor is the innings pitch for me. Yeah. But still, you had a losing record. You had a losing record. The Giants
1: weren't great this year. You know, now I would love for Logan Webb to just like next year do better than his 11-13 Have a year. record. Yeah. Have a year. And then, you know, maybe you'll be, and maybe you'll win the Cy Young, or maybe you'll be like Strider and like finishing fourth because, you know, nobody likes your dip or whatever.
0: One thing, let me look at one thing about him. What was, what did the Giants end up this year? Oh, what was their record? They went to the playoffs, right? I don't, hold on, San Francisco. Not Football Giants.
1: No, not the New York Football Giants. That's what I
0: just pulled off my phone. <laughs> I forgot to specify.
1: Yeah. Let's see. What was the record this year?
0: We may have to add this part out because we're just
1: – Yeah. <laughs> Oh, their record was seventy nine
0: eighty three. They didn't make the playoffs. Okay, because so I know they fired their manager. I think. Yeah,
1: Gabe Kapler, who I think as of this weekend got hired as the Marlins' assistant general manager. If you can believe that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, he was on a team. that didn't win a ton of games either. So, yeah. but still, you got to set your team up to win.
1: Yeah. Now he 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 led his team in wins with eleven. He was the only pitcher to win, like, on the Giants to win 10 or more games. But it's like, okay, you got to – come on. Like, really? And, yeah, he's a young guy. He's only 25. But I'm like, dude, come on. (laughs) He's a finalist because – mostly because he pitched a lot of innings? Come on, man.
0: I mean, this (laughs) – Maybe they're taking account that was a tough division. Like, I don't – yeah. But then again, like
1: especially now since all three finals were from the NL West this year. And I'm like, you guys <laughs> I don't Shit. know, man.
0: The NL East was a tough division for most of the year until a couple teams fell apart. Like Yeah, like the
1: Philly. Oh no, the Mets. The Phillies. Yeah, the Phillies for for the most part. But then they made the playoffs, they beat the Braves and they lost to the Diamondbacks. That was good. I mean, I watched that World Series. It was really good. There was a lot of offense.
0: I didn't watch as much of it as I wish I had. I know.
1: I mean, you had to work.
0: and Working and being pissed off after the Braves choked.
1: Yeah. And your Cardinals didn't make the playoffs this year.
0: Oh, that's not a surprise.
1: Yeah. But anyway, so, like, the Bungino – going back to the Forbes article – uh, Tony Blangino, th- this was his finalist for the, the Cy Young. He had Zach Wheeler winning it with his with, now, with his TPRAA taken into account, his top three was Zach Wheeler of the Phillies, and then Strider, and then Corbin Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers. That was his top three. And he's like, you know, Wheeler had, to him, his TPRAA was 31.8. He's like, Wheeler combines elite strikeout and walks, strikeout, K-slash-BB, so strikeout-slash-walks, and contact management ability. His average fly ball, liner, and grounder exit speeds allowed were all under 90 miles per hour, a very rare accomplishment. And his adjusted contact score of 82.5, misleading nationally by .01. And then... For Strider, his TP RAA was thirty point nine and he says Strider was the media favorite for much of the season and a couple of bad starts at the end dropped him out of the finalists for some reason.
0: yeah, he did yeah. have two bad starts down the, down the stretch.
1: Maybe that had something to do with it, but again it's like dude, you won 20 games. you led you led the league both the national league and major league baseball in multiple categories. Make it make sense. You know? I
0: think what we're realizing here is both of us are wins is probably top one or two things we're looking at.
1: Yeah, and we're just not into these bat bip and tpra stats, you know. And then he he goes on to say Strider's K rate was historic, and his contact management performance went from bad to acceptable, with a one hundred well one hundred six ad, adjusted contact score down the stretch. And then for Corbin Burns, he says in Burns, his season has been criminally overlooked. He actually nosed out Wheeler for nationally Content manager of the year honors with a 82.4 adjusted contact score. But I'm like, like, other than Mr. Blangino, who wrote this very interesting article, which if you, if most, be, most baseball fans would probably read and go, what the hell is he talking about?
0: Yes. <laughs> He's obviously a smart man. Yeah. I just disagree with his viewpoints.
1: Yeah. I'm just like, look, and you know what? It's, you can read the article, but it's something else. Like if you're, we want, you know, if if people want fans to like get more people to pay attention to baseball and read about baseball and live, breathe and die baseball, this article is not it. Do, do not read this article because you're gonna be so confused and you're gonna be like baseball's a lame sport and then go go watch football or something you know
0: <laughs> I think part of our issue with it too is we're guys that talk about baseball history so we're obviously going to be more purists about things yeah
1: like I've always and, been old I'm sorry go ahead I'm
0: not like you. some of the, some of the new school stats are cool mm-hmm. but just give me what I can see in a box score we'll call it good that tells me all I need to know about somebody mm-hmm
1: Exactly, box scores. Box scores mean a lot, man. I mean,
0: they really do. You know, just box scores are easy to follow. A good box bat- score can tell you exactly what happened in the ball game.
1: Yeah, bat, bip, and T P R A A do not do that <laughs> by any stretch of the definition. I mean, I mean, I'm glad. I mean, that's. I mean, we'll give credit where credit's due. I, it's pretty cool that he came up with this, and it's a well read. I mean, it's a well written article right obviously this guy knows how to write but at the same time it's like dude people are gonna look and you go what are you talking about like people are gonna think you're some people may think you're crazy by doing this you know i mean just like <laughs> i don't know what else to say patrick but i just when i read it you know i was all in agreement with the headline right when i first saw it i think uh this weekend i was like Okay, I'm all for this. MLB Cy Young Award voters did a historically bad job this year. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with that. And then I read the article, and I'm like, there are some things I agree with, but this whole – all these statistics you're throwing at me, I'm just like, uh,
0: okay. (laughs) There's so many different ways to look at this. Mm -hmm. I think anybody that published an article explaining their viewpoint, you're going to have things that you agree and disagree with.
1: Yeah. You know, and and, and that just brings up discussion because throughout baseball, if you're true baseball fans, there's always going to be debates about everything about baseball history or even today. You know, it just, it it, it either adds to the conversation or it just, it ruins friendships, who knows? You know, but (laughs) it's just, but so, yeah, I mean, it's just basically what I'm trying to say is, so it's a little different because we talked about Something recent, but it's now baseball history. The twenty twenty three season's over. They've already picked the Cy Young winners. It's now history. We can talk about it. So, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it. I would, I'm sorry. I'm about to. I want to end it with this. I would love if we can get one of the voters for this year's NL Cy Young award to come onto our podcast. And we'll make the whole episode about him and his career, or her. It could be a lady, you know, and, and talk about their career. And then near the end of the episode, we'll talk about this year's Cy Young voting and why they chose certain people than others, and why they didn't have Spencer Strider number one. And we'll be civil, right? We're not going to yell. We're not going to
0: cuss. Hey, maybe we'll they make it. Maybe they make it make sense to us. Yeah, it's like you know, as I've
1: you know, to quote to quote Clay Edwards from the Save Jackson podcast, make it make sense. You know, I mean, just. Make it make sense because, honestly, I'm not – These all these crazy stats that they're doing now, I'm not – this does not compute to me, you know. Let's talk about it, you know. And I think, I think our listeners would love to listen to it, you know. I think it would be an interesting discussion. It would be an interesting uh podcast episode, you know. So, anyway, that's just how I want to end it. I wasn't thrilled with Strider not being a finalist. Most people who follow me on social media know – I wasn't a fan of this. you know. Patrick knows I'm not a fan. Patrick's not a fan of it either. But it's just, yeah. I don't know what else to say. It just this was a – I'm glad we got to talk about the Cy Young Award because like, I told Patrick, I was like, hey, man, look, we got to talk about the Cy Young Award. We got to talk about the history. We got to talk about this year, this year's uh, uh, race because this is just crazy. I got to get this off my chest, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find a list of who votes for the Cy Young Award, and I can't even find that.
1: Yeah, some people some people like to keep that secret, but some people publish. Kind of like the Hall of Fame voting, they'll publish their ballots. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure like just very. I mean, whoever's in the Baseball Writers Association of America, but I don't know who. Some people don't want to, may want to be discreet about that, and not want to make that public.
0: I think if you get a vote, you should have to be public.
1: Yeah, and then you can explain your explain your reasoning about why you voted a certain way you know but uh, it's just eh. and the thing is it's like nobody else I didn't see anybody else like you know being up in arms about this year's race and all about Strider not being we talked about uh, it at work a
0: little bit because we worked with a bunch of Braves fans there and they were kind of pissed about yeah. it yeah
1: yeah. No, nobody worked with ben Halsey nobody likes nobody follows baseball so they, they don't know what I'm talking they wouldn't know what I'm talking about anyway you know, I talked with one of our customers, uh, the guy who owns Big Spring Cafe in town. Like we talked about, it because he's into baseball, and he was in agree with me about Strider not being the finalist. So at least I got to talk to him about that. But other than that, it's like nobody's been up in arms, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about it because this needs to be said. That this this wasn't cool, in my opinion. This wasn't cool, uh, BBWAA.
0: For him to not even be a finalist, just what really chaps my ass. Yeah. If he didn't win it and was second, third, whatever, man. But to not even be a finalist, you led the league in wins. Yeah. Wins and strikeouts. That's how I checked. Wins is an important statistic. It is. Because if you don't win, what are we doing?
1: Right. You might as well just give it to a guy who went winless that year. You can be the Young Award winner. Well, he went winless. Who cares? Wins don't matter. He had a good bat pip. His TPRA was great. Who cares if he didn't win any games? He can win the Cy Young. A lot of rollover ground balls, man. Yeah, you know. Well, hopefully this is. uh... Oh, by the way, did you did you, uh, Kyle? Right? Did you get the uh, that episode to him about uh, that our rant last year?
0: I'm not close enough to get it to him. Yeah, he's married into my family, but or my family married into his, but. Yeah, we're not in contact like that. And he's so busy. I'm so, I'm, so, I'm shocked they were able to trade him and get value because he's not. Even, I don't even think he's going to pitch next year. Yeah, he had shoulder. I, he had shoulder surgery.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Like he, he's probably going to be out for the year for next year. You know, but
0: I guess I they're, they're were- banking on him coming back and having a year like he did the year before last. You know, I, I that that trade just caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that.
1: Yeah, I don't think Kyle was expecting it either. You know, well, but that's baseball, man. It's a business. That's
0: it. People make a lot more money than us to make decisions about it. True. We just, we just talk about it. We just get to to complain about them when they don't work out. Yeah. You know, and that's what,
1: you know, it's good dialogue, you know, just be civil and be like, Hey, I don't agree with this. Don't be like, I'm going to burn down the stadium. If I don't like, (laughs) you know, just don't be like that. You know, just, just be like, Hey, I don't agree with this. I'll just rant about it on social media. And that's it, you know, or a rant on a podcast, and that's it, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's that's all I got to say about Cy Young. I'm sorry. If, I thought we got it covered. Yeah. I'm sorry if we rambled a little bit, but man, it was just, there was just a lot to say on the subject. There was a lot. <laughs> and I just wanted to apologize to our listeners for, you know, not being, not getting the podcast out. It's been a few months since we've uh, recorded. We just both have been very busy. Life.
0: So, yeah, with life. But this is a side do, gig for us, yeah. Yeah.
1: But we always appreciate our listeners sticking with us. And I know everybody I know all of our listeners will be very happy when this drops, you know, so it'll it's all good.
0: All right, man, that's all I got. Me too. As always, thank you all for listening. Um baseball HIS 101 at gmo.com. If you want to reach out to us. Uh, Make sure you show your friends, like, rate, and subscribe. And uh,
2: we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you guys. The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella talking baseball. Bobby Feller The Scooter The Barber And The Nuke They knew them all From Boston To Dubuque Especially Willie Mickey And The Duke Well Casey Was winning Hank Aaron Was beginning One Robbie Going out One coming in Kiner And Midget Goodell the thumper and Mel Parnell And Ike was the only one winning down In Washington I'm talking baseball Klazowski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber And the duke They know them all From Boston to Dubuque Especially the Mickey and the duke He was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky To go and see the Duke And me, I always loved Willie May Those were the days Well, now it's the 80s And Brett is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Roses at the vet Rusty again is a Met And the great Alexander is pitching again In Washington I'm talking baseball, baseball. Like Reggie, Queez and Berry Talking baseball Carew and Gaylord Perry Seaver, Garvey, Schmidt And by the blue If Cooperstown is calling It's no fluke They'll be with Willie Mickey and the Duke Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. It was Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. I'm talking Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey.